appears like I have to be afraid no no you choose to fear and in the same way you can choose to trust God and rejoice and I'm here to tell you from a Christian perspective Christians with joy is the best testimony of the finished work of Jesus Christ grumpy Christianity is part of the problem the resurrection is a source of controversy for those who oppose Jesus as the Messiah Today, Pastor Daniel will take us through the events of Jesus rising from the grave and why the details of the report of the resurrection support its validity. We'll deal with the fact that the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive today. We have to deal with him and the question of how we'll go forward. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 11, with his continuing study entitled, The Death of Death. Jesus told people he was going to be resurrected from the grave. He told it. Now, I realize today, Easter Sunday, 2014, there's a lot of people who are like, you know what? Like, I just don't believe that Jesus was resurrected from the grave. And you know what? I have real reasons not to believe in the resurrection. Because, I mean, who can really believe that Jesus was dead and he came back to life again. Now, and I realized that, that's a legitimate argument. I, I held the argument. I didn't grow up in church, so it wasn't like, oh yeah, I've always believed that Jesus rose from the grave. But if you actually sit down and think about the critique or the objection, how many of you like to watch crime dramas? Yeah? How many of you guys like that TV show, former ER? You guys remember that? Every time you see a scene in the emergency room, you always end up seeing there's a moment when somebody flatlines where all of a sudden their heart stops beating and the music starts and all of a sudden you see that flat line. And then what do they do? Then the people in the emergency room, they move into action. They go grab that thing, the IED, the automatic electronic defibrillator. You don't realize how much I practice saying defibrillator. It's a scary thing to say defibrillator in front of thousands of people. That's like public speaking nightmare. So I'm just proud of myself. Because you know what happens? All of a sudden, somebody's heart stops and they're clear and they put those things down and they try and shock the heart to start again. Now, do you guys believe in an AED? You believe those things would work? Yeah. You know, we have one of those things in our family room. Don't play with it. Unless you need it. I was also told, and I haven't verified this, but if you actually try and do it on somebody who's alive, they actually die. So don't touch it. We all believe in an AED. It's the same thing. If mankind can figure out how to bring somebody back to life whose heart stopped beating, you don't think God knew how to do it first? See, think about all of our objections to the things that it says in the Bible. I was talking to someone recently. How can you believe in the virgin birth? I'm like, easy. It's called in vitro fertilization. 
You can take an egg out of a woman. You can take some spermies. You put them in a little test tube. Not, not don't do it, but doctors can do it. And you, I said spermies in church, sorry. <laughs> sorry, parents. <laughs> That's why we have kids' church. <laughs> but you can put that back in a woman who's never known a man and she can have a baby. And if humanity can figure out how to do that, don't you don't think God who created humanity can figure it out first? See, Amen. Resuscitation back to life is normal. Now, don't get me wrong, though. Jesus is unique, though. Because everybody who gets resuscitated back to life, at some point they die again, except for Jesus. And if you don't believe me, you're going to come back next Sunday and then the following Sunday, we're going to look at Jesus' bodily ascension to heaven. Now, I'm here to tell you, if you want to have issues with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the ascension is a lot better place to have an issue than the resurrection. And I tell you that because for those of you who are skeptics, I want you to come back in two weeks and we'll explain that to you too. And I, I don't knock being a skeptic. I was a skeptic my whole life. Even still, I believe in Jesus and I still struggle sometimes. Like, Lord, does your word really mean that? How do we really deal with that? What is it all about? But the fact that Jesus was resurrected from the grave should not be an intellectual hurdle. Why? Because it happens all the time. Humans figured out how to do it God knew first. And I want you to make sure that we all realize that Christianity would have never gotten off the ground 2,000 years ago if they ever just produced the body. When all this stuff starts going on, he's resurrected from the grave. All they had to do is be like, no, no, his body right here. Here, look, here he is. And this thing would have never gotten anywhere. But they weren't able to produce the body. Why? Because he wasn't there. The stone was removed. He was risen, just like he said. Just like he said. Now, what happens next is kind of exciting. Because notice what they say. In the middle of verse 6, the angel says to Mary and the other Mary, Come see the place where the Lord lay. And then in verse 7, And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, Rejoice! And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So listen. The tomb is empty. First the angel and then Jesus. First he says, Come and see. And then he says, Go and tell. And I think this is an important reality for us that all of us need to come and see and then we need to go and tell. Now, I'm going to explain to you why this is important. Now, I realize as a pastor that for many people and many of you here today, you only come to church on Easter and Christmas, right? It's like, it's like your, your twice a year duty to the Almighty, right? And I understand why a lot of people don't come to church. 
I mean, you think about it. Okay, the songs, they're good songs. Band's pretty good. The talking head up in front, he's kind of annoying. After hearing for a couple weeks, it's okay. I'm I'm okay with myself. It's like after a couple weeks, like I've heard all this. Okay, do we have to do this again? See, the reason I think this is important is because the reason a lot of people don't like to come to church regularly is it's like, okay, I'm coming to church. I'm coming to church. But sometimes as pastors, we forget to equip people to come to church and then to be the church. And there is this dual reality that you come and see and then you go and tell. And oftentimes as pastors, we can be really good at saying, just come to church, come to church, rather than saying, we come together so that we can have a profound experience with the reality of the resurrection. And then now we want to see you join with God's story in in this generation. And it's not good enough just to come and see. Jesus doesn't, the angel doesn't say, listen, Mary and Mary, listen, the tomb is empty. I got some folding chairs for you and some Arnold Palmer, sit down. I got some sandwiches. Relax. No, right? They say, come and see, and they see, and he says, now go and tell his disciples that this is all really happening. And then they start going, and they're excited, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up. He says, rejoice, and they start worshiping him. And then what does he say? Let's all hang out here and hug and sing kumbaya forever. He doesn't say that, right? He says, now go and tell my disciples to go into Galilee. I'm going to show myself to them. And listen, we come and see so that you and I can have profound experiences with the reality of the resurrected Jesus. And once we have that experience, we need to go and join God's story in the world. And coming to church only feels fulfilling when we are also simultaneously joining God's story in this world. So if you're here today and you just, it's like kind of your once a year, twice a year opportunity, I want to encourage you and challenge you. God is looking for people who will join in blessing the world in his name. Man, Go visit our Love Now kiosk on the way out in, in our family room out there. Talk to Pastor Rob. We have a million opportunities for you to serve across the world or across the street. We have this box drop that we're doing. There's nothing more fulfilling than after you have a profound experience with the resurrected Jesus to now put legs on that faith and be a part of changing the world in Jesus' name. That's where all of this stuff gets worked out into reality. I can bore you with stories forever of people, including myself, who found that God saying, listen, I want you to join me and I want you to serve kids. I want you to serve students. I want you to serve people on the margins. I want you to serve business leaders who have everything but feel lost inside. And when you find yourself in the story of God, not only coming and seeing, but going and telling... Then all of a sudden you get, oh, this is why we come to church, because it's a family reunion. And then we scatter throughout the world, blessing people in Jesus' name. I know it's fashionable to bag on the church in the media. I mean, think about all the hospitals that churches built, all the humanitarian work that churches built. There was a big uproar about world vision recently. And it's like when God's people stop serving the people on the margins, all sorts of things start to fall apart. Because God's people are so embedded in... And not that the church gets everything right. Believe me, we do not. 
Believe me, we don't get everything right. God's working on us still. But the amount of things that we are involved in as the church of Jesus Christ in the world, the world would be lacking because nobody else is doing it. And you know deep down in your heart as I'm saying this, that you want to find yourself in the work of God in this generation. You see the needs in the world? Rather than just complaining about it on Facebook, roll up your sleeves and join the work of God in our community, in our world. You come and see and you go and tell. And for, listen, for some of you, you love Jesus, you've been following Jesus, but maybe you're in that, I keep coming, I keep coming. I always say that sometimes if we keep coming to church and we're not actually serving, I always say it's hard to rock the boat when you got a row in your hand. And for some of us as God's people, we come but we don't serve. And then all we do is we watch everyone else serving and then we think that we're supposed to be like the American Idol judges for how well they're serving. And that's never healthy, is it? Like, I, like you know, Simon Cowell, he's, he's kind of caustic, right? He, I know he's not on American Idol anymore, but... You know what I mean? It's like, you ever hear that guy sing? No, right? He can't sing. But he can sure make fun of everybody who can sing, right? And I'm here to tell you, you'd rather be a singer trying than the guy sitting there picking on people who are trying. See, we come and see and we go and tell. I want you to notice... Mary and Mary, they're both terrified and overwhelmed with joy. They were fearful and they were full of joy. And when Jesus sees them, he says, rejoice. And then he says, don't be afraid. This Resurrection Sunday, I believe that Jesus' counsel to you and I is exactly the same. First, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We all know what it's like to be filled with fear. We all have it. Can we just be honest about that? We all struggle with fear. Now, why do we struggle with fear? Well, think about the word fear, F-E-A-R. False expectations appearing real. See, the reason you and I struggle with fear is because we think we understand what tomorrow is going to hold. So we have an expectation. The problem is it's false, but we can get a little legs with it because it appears real. And so our struggles with fear are real because there are just certain things that you and I are not in control of. There are certain things that you cannot say, this is going to be the day of my last breath. This is going to be the day that I retire because a million things are going to happen. Unexpected things. And so we have fear. But Jesus tells them, don't be afraid, but what? Rejoice. The presence of Jesus will change your fear to joy. And joy is not situational or circumstantial. Joy is a disposition of the heart that says, God, you are God, and I trust you. I know there's many of you in here today racked with fear, racked with it. And everything appears like, I have to be afraid. No, no, you choose to fear. And in the same way, you can choose to trust God and rejoice. And I'm here to tell you, from a Christian perspective, Christians with joy is the best testimony of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Grumpy Christianity is part of the problem. We should rejoice with unimaginable amounts of joy 
because he's risen. Now, before we move on to the next part, a quick little side note. Because we don't realize it in our cultural context. In 21st century West, we realize that men and women are equal but different. Women are equally intelligent to men, and maybe more so. Ding, ding, ding. Brownie points for Pastor Daniel. There it is. And all the guys are like, yeah, it's true. Okay, we can admit it, you know. Women have the same skills, although unique. I mean, we all know that estrogen and testosterone pumping through the body is different. We, don't have to, we already went there, so we don't have to go there again. <laughs> so there's uniquenesses, but men and women are equal. But in Jesus' culture, in Roman culture, women were not even allowed to testify in a court of law. Now, I know that sounds crazy and archaic, and it is crazy and archaic, because we don't value that. But in that day, women were not allowed to testify in a court of law. Now, what's amazing for those of you who are skeptics about the Bible, and they think, oh, this is just some crazy wives' tale. Some guys hung out, they ate too much Mediterranean mushrooms, and they got a little wacky, and they wrote this thing down. If you're going to tell the story that Jesus is the resurrected Messiah, and you wanted to run forth with validity in first century Palestine, you do not have the women be the ones who testify of the resurrection. They weren't even allowed to testify in a court of law. And they're the ones who are the apostles to the apostles. All the guys who God chose, who Jesus walked with for three years, they were nowhere to be found. The women are there. And Jesus says, listen, you go tell my boys that I am alive. And listen, if you wanted to write a story that was going to change the Roman Empire, you needed to take that out. It needed to be Peter. It needed to be John. It needed to be James and Andrew. But no, it's Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. I mean, think about how powerful that is. If you want to write a story that's going to have some legs in that culture, it's definitely not the gals sharing it. But they were the ones who were there who saw. They were the apostles sent to the apostles saying he is resurrected from the grave. Now, look at what happens because in verse 11 it says, Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. And when they assembled the elders and consulted together, verse 12, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. My friends, don't believe the cover-up. Don't believe the cover-up. You can imagine. Mary and the other Mary are going to the apostles to tell him he's risen. The guards go to the chief priest and are like, dude, you are never going to believe what happened. And they tell him the whole story. There was an earthquake and there was this crazy angel and he opened the door and he was sitting down on it and we freaked out. And he's gone. And they're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pay you money, hush money, and we want you to tell them that the disciples came while they were sleeping and took the body away. Now, I hope you realize how absurd. This is a bad cover-up. This is like the dog ate my homework. Because <laughs> if this is true, not one, but all the soldiers had to be asleep. <laughs> and not only that, all of these soldiers had to sleep through an earthquake and construction. This would be like sleeping on 10 ambience. And you don't do that. You don't wake up from that. But all these soldiers had to be asleep. 
all of them had to sleep through all of this mess. And even though they were sleeping and they missed the whole thing, they had to know who did it. (laughs) Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's nuts. Like, I don't have enough faith to believe that. Not only did they miss the whole thing and sleep through it, even though the stone got moved, they knew who did it too. It's just the cover-up. Because we don't want to have to deal with the fact that Jesus truly is alive today. And I believe that there's some of you in here, you have been spending every ounce of your energy not to deal with the fact that that tomb is indeed empty. And if Jesus did conquer death, then we have to deal with him. And don't miss the fact that your ambivalence to dealing with Jesus is still dealing with Jesus just the same. See, God created each one of us to have to deal with Jesus. And it's the most important question in the world. What have you done with Jesus? What's interesting about that question is that if Jesus is who he said he is, the only proper response is absolute allegiance. If you go straight up, if the guy conquered death, he's the only guy who's ever done that. And that's powerful, isn't it? The one teacher in history, the one philosopher, the one religious leader who is alive today, not just another dead one. And I want to encourage you today, if you are here and you have never made that decision to align your life with the giver and sustainer of life, don't be ashamed. If he conquered the grave, you want to join him in that. If he conquered shame and brokenness, you want to join him in that. And so do I. It's the only logical place to be with Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, because I know what happens now. You say that and someone says, well, God will never accept me the way that I am. And I'm here to tell you, he accepts you exactly the way you are. But you know what's awesome about who God is? He loves us too much to keep us the way we are. He's changing all of us. We never arrive. We're all in process. It's just a matter if we're willing to say, God, I'm willing to let you do the work you want to do on me from inside, not the outside. I'm going to let you move in and change this life from the inside. God is not afraid of where you've been. He's not. And what you'll find is that if you turn to Jesus today, he has already been waiting for you to turn. Just come. Just come. Now I'm going to close with these verses, verses 16 and 17. It says here, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. We're going to close today with this reality that he was seen by many. He was seen by many. Not only did Mary and Mary see him, but the disciples do. They go over to Galilee and Jesus reveals himself to them. Says some worshipped him, but others still doubted. Jesus is Pastor Daniel exhorted us to let go of fear, the things we can't control, and to fully surrender to Him. Jesus tells us to rejoice and to fully surrender to God. 
Jesus tells us to rejoice. His presence brings joy. And this all became available to us the moment that Jesus was resurrected. We know that God doesn't need our money, but He uses our finances to help further His kingdom. We want to invite you to partner with us and help expand God's kingdom through Jesus is Real Radio. Your monthly or one-time gift will allow us to continue to grow our radio ministry in other parts of the world, sharing the life-changing experience of knowing that Jesus is real. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here of Jesus Is Real Radio. I got some special news. I'm so stoked. My new book called Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives is available on pre-order right now. You might say, why'd you write the book, Daniel? Well, simply because this. Life is messy, but Jesus is real. And we need to talk honestly about both sides of that coin. So get the book now. It's available on pre-order at honestlybook.com or wherever books are sold. I can't wait for you to read it. God bless you. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, we'll find how going back to the mission of Jesus helps us to refocus our priorities. It's easy to get your mind off of Jesus and onto superficialities. As believers, first and foremost, we're supposed to be disciples. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series entitled, This Just Got Real. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio. It's no typical journey.